0: Welcome to a very special Countdown to Eternity with Pastor James Cadiz of Calvary Chapel Signal Hill and David Tall. On today's program, they'll be talking about a moment in history that changed the world forever. Every detail in this story has a significant amount of lessons that it brings. And although we speak about a specific moment in time, that moment has the potential to mold and shape the future of many. We must treat this story and many like it with great respect. Our well-being depends on it. Well, hello, my dear brothers and sisters. We want to welcome
1: you to another episode of Countdown to Eternity. And I am here again with David Tall. And I have to say this. We have a very special episode of Countdown to Eternity to uh, to talk about. And I'm going to tell you why. Because we have several stories that we're going to discuss. Okay. But before we discuss those stories, I want to talk to you about a very special feast that Jews all over the world celebrate. We celebrate it in, in, on many occasions for many different reasons because of the significance that it bears. And before we talk about it, I, I just want to lay a little bit of background out. And believe me, guys, I want you to stick with me on this because you will understand and develop an overwhelming appreciation for where we're going to go with this. It's a critical thing that I want you guys to just stick with me on, okay? So let's, let's start with this. Uh, the prophet Malachi receives a word from the Lord. It is, in essence, the last warning from God to a nation that was rebelling against Him. This was Israel. They were rebelling against God. You know, during the post-exilic period, uh, they just seemed like they didn't learn their lesson. And quite frankly, look, uh, we don't learn our lessons when we're disciplined and when we're put through the ringers, and we just continue to harden our hearts, and that's just the way things go. Been there and done that. Yeah, we've all been there and done that. So, The last message goes out and the Jews that are listening don't listen. Well, they listen, but they don't act on it. And as a result, they end up getting themselves in a very, very difficult situation within less than 100 years from the time Malachi warns the people of God. And the situation is, in essence, hopeless. Uh, You had Ezra come in. You had Nehemiah come in. You had many other prominent Uh, people in Jewish history come in and rebuild not only the temple, but they rebuilt the walls. They rebuilt the city of Jerusalem and gave back to God's people a place for them to call their home again. And of course they chose to rest in their comfort and not necessarily in the commandments and the law of their God. Been there, done that. Right. And created a significant problem for themselves. And then we find ourselves roughly, roughly, 150 years later, maybe close to 200 years later, and the Jews are in a terrible situation, right? Uh, they're met with an evil man by the name of Antiochus, right? And a lot of bad things are going on, and this is where the story begins. So maybe you can tell us this story because uh, there's an interesting guy that comes into play. His name is Judas. He, he's a very interesting guy, right? And some amazing things happen when this takes place. So tell us this story. And then we're going to lay the foundation for some of the news articles that we're going to go over. And folks, believe me, you're going to want to listen to these.
2: So um, I, I think this is a story that we all know, but different versions. So we'll talk out. start off with the beginning. Of, you call him Antiochus. It's a nice name. His name is Antiochus. Yeah, yeah, Antiochus.
1: Of course, Antiochus. we know that. I, now, 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 keep this in mind. If I say something like Antiochus or if I say <laughs> Chapurnachum, or if I say Yerushalayim or anything, most people are not going to know what those words mean
2: because— Yeah, uh, but— they, <laughs> What, what, what one of the, one of the things again me and you we speak semitic languages yeah,
1: so we get it but i but and it's funny if you if you if you have a background that david and i have you'll understand why what he just said was so incredibly funny but
2: well he really is a bad guy i mean yeah, he really is terrible, a bad guy terrible, man. but okay so here's the thing would you be more scared of antiochus or would you be more scared of antiochus <laughs> you know i don't know for
1: uh for the effect of the radio let, let's try this let's see there you go
2: <laughs> but um, basically when when alexander dies and he doesn't have any anybody to take over the kingdom his kingdom breaks up to, into two um in aryer we had the uh, the ptolemies in the south but antiochus is part of the select, uh, uh kind of empire yep. in the north and to make the long story short he was very greek hellenistic is what we call it and he was into the Greek things, and he was a bad guy, and he decided that he didn't like the Jews, and he was going to kind of persecute the Jews. So he does it in a couple of ways. He desecrates the temple. He brings some pigs into the temple and turns the temple into a um, pagan kind of uh, sanctuary. And he tries to disassociate the people from their God. And, and and last chapter of this, we talked about the connection between God, people, and land. He tries to break that connection. And one of the ways that he does to break the connection is you're not allowed to practice your religion we want you to practice the religion of the land, and uh, he outlaws the outer uh, sad so to say symbol of our Brit, our our, our um, agreement with God, and that is circumcision. He does it for Hellenistic reasons, but uh, we call we don't call it circumcision. We actually call it the covenant. Okay, an eight-day-year-old Jewish child makes a covenant with God. He becomes he gets plugged into that covenant. Yep. And what Antiochus tried to do is break the covenant. And again, we've been there, done that. And, and again, that was the situation. So we had no choice. And uh, across the street from my mom's house is a hill in the, in the city called Modiin, where a guy named Matthew the Hammer, or if you want to do it in, in uh, Hebrew, okay, Matitiau Hamakabi means the hammer, uh, said, we're not going to bow down to this anymore. And started off a rebellion against two things. The first part of the rebellion was against the Greeks and the Greek Empire. Now, remember, this is a Greek Empire that had just now conquered the world. And these are the same guys that you saw in the movie 300. Remember them? Okay, same idea. Uh, But also the rebellion is against the Hellenistic Jews. The Hellenized Jews are what your friend Gadi Taub called the international Jews who were buying into, okay, we can be part of the nations. We can kind of forget our special position with God, and forget our connection to the land, and we can buy into it. By the way, been there, done that, again and again and again. So in this case, this is uh, the Maccabean revolt against the Greeks, fought a couple of battles in in the area, basically, where I live. By the way, very interesting connection. One of the battles that was fought by the Jews against the Greeks, where we won, was at a place called Emmaus, Emmaus, okay? And if anybody knows the New Testament, the road to Emmaus. That's right. And, and it's interesting that that's where we had to fight a battle to to kind of throw the shackles of the Greek Empire off. We went back up to the temple, reinaugurated the temple, we rededicated the temple, meaning we did a dedication of the temple with a lamp, uh, with a, a little jar of oil that we kind of poured into the mineral. so the temple is rededicated. So we call it the Feast of Dedication. The word for dedication in Hebrew is Hanukkah,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and that's the Feast of Hanukkah, which is mentioned in the New Testament in John ten.
1: Yeah, Jesus celebrated Hanukkah. Exactly. Uh, matter of fact, he the, the 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 scriptures make that very very clear. One of the things that's interesting uh, with that is the connection that you made with the Emmaus Road, and why that's such a significant has a significant bearing at the end of the life of Jesus. But isn't it isn't it amazing to think about the idea that there is so much rich history in that feast of dedication right because when that temple was dedicated it was very special because there were some miraculous things associated with it maybe you can talk about this especially when it talks about when we talk about the candlestick and you know what happened with the menorah that that situation can we
2: talk about that for just a second well you all know what a menorah looks like it's like the seven branch candelabra, i think is what yeah. you say in english Okay, uh, that is mentioned in the Bible uh, way, way back in the beginning, connected to the tabernacle. We know yes. that the, 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 the children of Israel were uh, commanded to create that menorah to be a symbol of the seven days of creation. And basically, that was lit in the temple, in the tabernacle, and later on in the temple, you know, over the years. That is a symbol of God's connection to, to reality and to the world. But uh, when we rededicated the, uh, the temple, And they found enough oil in the temple, and it's a special kind of very, very uniquely uh, manufactured oil, enough oil to last for one day. Mm. So they poured one day's worth of oil into the menorah, and they kind of bustled and hustled to create more oil, to manufacture more oil, but the new oil takes eight days to manufacture. But they poured one day's worth of oil into the menorah, and lo and behold, that menorah stayed lit. For the eight days it took, until we manufactured the more meaning, it's amazing. we reconnected, and and again, it's a festival of life. It's a festival of creation, and and one of the things that people need to remember: it's a festival of dedication. I mean, this is this is dedicated, and and I can't help, but you know, this is me in tour guide mode, but make that connection to the fact that Jesus went up to celebrate. In the temple on the Feast of Dedication, Amen. on the side of Mount Moriah, which is God's classroom, God's, uh, you know, where God teaches us. Moray is is teacher. Yah is God. So, God's teachings. Okay, uh, on the side of that hill is where God dedicated Jesus to be our uh, our Savior. And again, it's 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 fascinating that the festivals, the feast, the dedication, the physical. Uh, connection to Mount Moriah. And again, I miss Israel. Maybe that's why I went into tour guide mode just now.
1: So real question, uh, why is it oftentimes referred to as the festival of lights? We hear that reference a lot. Uh, again, because why is of that?
2: the eight lights. We, we light, in, in order to remember the, the eight days, okay, we light eight candles. Now we don't, we light one candle on the first day, two candles on the second day, and so forth and so on, uh, until you see eight candles lit on the last day of, of Hanukkah. So when you see something that looks like a menorah that has nine candles, four on both sides and one in the middle, or eight on one side, that is a Hanukkah. It's not a menorah, it's a Hanukkah. That is for the uh, the eight days of Hanukkah. Uh, but maybe to tie into what we're talking about today. Yeah. I'm living in, in the States right now. Well, not living, I'm I'm, I'm in the States right now, um, going from place to place, talking about Israel uh, while this is going on. And lo and behold, we're coming into Christmas and Christmas comes into Hanukkah. And I'm saying, wait a minute, you know, I've got Christmas lights on the house. Again, I, didn't, I did my Christmas lights for the first time this year.
1: <laughs> That's great.
2: Which is, which is weird. The neighbor came over yesterday and said, you know, I've been living here for 26 years. There's never been Christmas lights on the house until a Jew came to live next to me.
1: That's awesome. I just, you got to love that. You have to absolutely love that. But then I said, wait a minute,
2: why don't I put a Hanukkah up on the window? I love that. Well, here's the problem. I didn't. And I'm not sure I would put an Israeli flag up because in in the environment that we're talking about in the United States of America, I'm kind of worried. and kind of thinking about, you know, do I want outward signs of my Jewishness on the house? Now, I wouldn't have a problem, but, you know, there are other people living in that house, and I'm not there all the time. And some of them are a little bit younger, and i got to be sensitive to that. And again, maybe that's what we need to talk about now is why me— and other Jews in the L.A. Basin or in California or in the United States of America are afraid to put a Hanukkah up on their house today.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing. I, I praise God I live in a neighborhood where I see a lot of them in a lot of houses. Okay. Uh, but that's because I, I live in a neighborhood where a lot of Jews live, and I live in a neighborhood where there's a lot of very conservative people that are very supportive of Jews. And I, I started seeing Israeli flags go up the very day that October 7th happened, but that's very rare. You don't see that happening a lot, number one. And um, I warned my wife the very day that I decided to wear these dog tags, you know, every day. Mm-hmm. And I, and for those of you that are listening on the radio, you can hear it. Uh, you can't see it. For those watching, you can see this. And, um, you know, in Hebrew at the very top, it says our hearts are uh, in Gaza. And at the very bottom, it says, bring them home now. And I will not be taking these off until the last hostages get home. I think it's important that we that we stand. The, the fear... <laughs> that you have or the concern is very real. Uh, it's it's legitimate, right? You're a married man. You have to think about the welfare of your, not only your wife, but your children. And there's there's a lot to be said there. But I want to say this. Um, it's like I've never seen it before. I, I actually think that from all the reading that I've been reading and all the studying I've done over the years of the anti-Semitic sentiments that we were seeing leading into World War II, what we're seeing today is worse than that. And um, and it could part of it could be because we have so much more media available to us. But when I get comments on my own shows that I do, I did an interview, an amazing interview, by the way, with with Bibi Netanyahu's brother. Mm -hmm. And it, it was it was great. For those of you that are listening on the radio, you can watch it on my YouTube channel. And I asked him some pretty unique questions about things that led to the condition that we're in today and so on and so forth. I got—it would blow your mind how many anti-Semitic comments came across in that interview. One of the comments that came, and this one was just extremely disturbing, was, I'm disappointed in Adolf Hitler because he didn't finish the job.
2: Oh, yeah, well, We've heard that and,
1: about- and, and we see things like that being discussed. And it's terrible because it's definitely coming from a very satanic root.
2: I'm going to say something that I think that a lot of Americans, a lot of Westerners don't really understand. I'm not surprised. Okay, let's go back again. And and we talked about Malachi and we talked about, you know, the Jews have a history of not listening to God and being punished for it. And the Jews have a history of being cursed, okay, by other people. And uh, we talked about that on the last episode, but basically I'm not surprised that we're being hated and we're being persecuted. And somebody is kind of... Uh, how do you say snuffing out our symbols of light and our symbols of hope? I'm not surprised that somebody is trying to do that. Like I say, I have anti-Semitism. If if you cut my vein open, there's anti-Semitism in my blood. It's part of my genes. Okay, we've grown up on 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 this anti-Semitism year after year, generation after generation. What happened on October 7th is has been a um, how do you say a reminder. Think about think about something that. Think about, you know, you, you were a bike rider when you were a kid, but you haven't ridden a bike for 30 years. And all of a sudden you get on the bike after 30 years and all of a sudden you know that feeling. Yep. As a people, we've been persecuted like that for generations. Yeah. We thought we were over. We thought never again. We were wrong. And, and what Israel realized is that, one, we're still hated. Two, we thought never again but but here, here it happened again, and and it, it kind of smacked us, and three, we thought that the world, especially the liberal Western world, understood the Holocaust, understood who we are, appreciated all the positive things that we bring i mean i 'm seeing a lot of videos right now about uh, if you want to boycott Israel, you have to boycott you know flash drives, you have to boycott, drip irrigation, you have to boycott a lot of things. We did bring a lot, okay? And we thought that the world had, had appreciated what we hit, were bringing. And, and we're looking at the hundreds of thousands of people that are walking through the streets of, of the United States right now, calling for intifada and calling for jihad and calling from the river to the sea, which basically is an anti-Semitic call for ethnic cleansing of Jews from, from the river to the sea. Yeah, and, and, you know, and, and then we're saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. We've been there. We've done that. OK, uh, we, we thought that our neighbors were were, were part of this and, and we're getting kind of getting smacked in the face with, with this anti-Semitism that's kind of seeping out from all the holes right now.
1: Yeah, and I have to show you this chart and take a look at this because I've shared this on multiple occasions with many, many different people. And this speaks volumes of how much suffering the Jews have undergone. What we're looking at is we're looking at a, 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 a just a section of Arab nations. It's a, It's just a small mm. chart of Arab nations. Algeria, Egypt, Iraq, Lebanon, Libya, Morocco, Syria, Tunisia, Yemen, and Aden, okay? Now, um, that's just this sample. And in 1948, there were 851,000 Jews that lived in all of those Arab nations, just those Arab nations, okay? As of 2018, 2018, we're not talking about today because today the numbers are far less. But as of 2018, that number is 3,330. From almost a million to
2: 3,330. So the Jews have been ethnically cleansed from the Middle East. From all the other nations where we we had long generations, long societies, long cultures. I mean, you know, generation after generation. Don't get me wrong. I mean, a lot of people still speak uh, Moroccan in Israel. A lot of people still speak Arabic in Israel. and, And people don't really realize that. But they were ethnically cleansed from their homelands or from the na- nations that they lived in and they were sent back to their, and here's the thing. And it, I find it fascinating when people say we're colonists return to where you came from. Oh yeah. Well, we're returning to where we came from. That's right. And, and, and that's, that's the, that's the absurd of the call, the anti-colonial call. Uh, how can we be colonists in our own land? How can we be? I mean, it's like you saying you're, you're a, uh, You're, how do you say, uh, uh, a squatter in your own house.
1: Yeah. I mean, listen, Israel returning, the Jews returning to Israel is perhaps the most significant and powerful story of decolonization that we have heard in world history. We don't know of a a more powerful story of decolonization. I mean, if you think about it, the League of Nations, uh, when we talk about recent history, right, basically tasks Britain in order, in essence, to colonize this area— And uh, when the Jews came back in 1948, you want to talk about the ultimate decolonization. That was the United Kingdom, in essence, based on the—I don't know what you want to call uh, it—the advances of the League of Nations giving Israel back to its people. And if you want to talk about the ultimate story of decolonization, there it is right there.
2: Okay, let me go go the other side. You want to talk about the ultimate story of colonization. Think about the the Muslim expansion— after Muhammad oh, created Islam, 100%. and Islam spread out from, from Saudi Arabia, basically, and conquered everything all the way up to Spain. What did they do? They did it, what, uh, with, with uh, flowers? No. And, and I think it was Bill Maher who said, it's not by chance that the symbol on the flag of Saudi Arabia is a sword, because they colonized everything all the way up to Spain uh, by force of sword. They didn't ask nicely, and it was a colonization kind of uh, an, empire. And most empires, by the way, were colonized. I mean, the Greeks did the same. I mean, what do you think the Greeks were doing in Palestine, Judy, Judea, the Holy Land? Call it what you want. Yeah. The Greeks came down and colonized, basically. Uh, so why are, why are the Arabs not colonizers in Judea? And, and here's one of the weirdest things. I, I hear them walking through the streets of, in the States saying Jesus was a Palestinian. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I mean, uh, what, what, what do you say? I mean, yes, but here's the thing, James, and maybe this is something that people need to really understand about who we are, okay? We're not surprised that people lie about us, we're not surprised that people st- tell ter- terrible stories. What surprises us, and, and maybe this is to, our, to our, our, our listeners and to our viewers, is that normal, God fearing, rational people believe the lies. In many many cases, and that is something that I think, and, and again, me being in the states for the last couple of months, is is more I I think scary than anything. Yeah, is the fact that okay? I I agree that there are people that are going to hate me. I mean, I'm you know you you get to a point where you realize that not everybody's going to love you. I mean, after you finish. Kindergarten you realize that there's good people that are not are gonna like you and people are not gonna like you. So so I can I can understand. But the people who like me, the people who say they love God's chosen people, the people who say we support Israel, who buy into the lies, that is scary for us because that's the beginning of a process, like we said, we have seen in the past. And it, and it's not by chance that that we have this feeling that, oh, we've been here before.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Man, I got to tell you, we are out of time, um, but, but I think that it's a very, very good thing for us to reflect upon one very important fact, and that is God made the declaration. Whether or not we like it, God is the one that declared you, your people, the Jews, to be uh, His example to the nations, and I think that for us, we have to recognize that for what it is. We have to recognize the gift that we have in the Jewish population that live on this earth. And we have an obligation to pray for Israel. We have an obligation to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We have an obligation to pray for the Jewish people and God's protection upon them because um, what we're seeing right now is unprecedented. And uh, things are going to get very, very dark very quickly. They're already
2: getting dark very quickly. And we just have a lot to pray for. David, any final words as we wrap it up? Like you've been doing, and I'll do this too. I'm going to quote my dad, okay? Because you know, my dad was a pastor in, in Israel for many, many years. And one of the things he used to say is that if you want to see the fingers of God meddling in the affairs of men in the world today, look at Israel. Yep. And I'm going to kind of take that though a little bit further. If you want to see the fingers of Satan meddling in the world today, okay, look at what's happening to Israel. Amen. And I think that's that's something to take with. That's us. a
1: that's a heavy word, uh, folks. I, I got to tell you, a lot of good stuff to take home on this one. We do sincerely hope that you've enjoyed listening to this as much as we've enjoyed making it, and I think that there's a lot to be said about the blessing that we have in being able to produce this for you, and the love that God has given us for you as a people. um, We're we're just so grateful. We're grateful to be able to serve you. We're grateful to be able to be a part of your lives as you take us on your drives in your living rooms on your TVs. We just sincerely hope that you've enjoyed this time this whole year. I pray that you have enjoyed all of this as much as we've enjoyed making it. We love you guys. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And boy, oh boy, oh boy, I can't tell you this. He is coming soon and uh, sooner than we all think. So God bless you guys. We love you. And next year, we'll be counting down to eternity. And we've got some
0: great shows planned for you. We love you guys. God bless you. Hey, thanks for joining us today for Countdown to Eternity with Pastor James Cadiz and David Tall. Replay this program when you visit CountdownToEternity.com. That's Countdown number two, Eternity.com. Watch the video version on our YouTube channel at James Cadiz. And you can find David Tall on Instagram at The Balagon Connection. That's spelled B-A-L-A-G-A-N. These are exciting times to be living in. Prophecy is being fulfilled right before our eyes. And we want to keep you informed, not only on this program, but through social media as well. Follow James Cadiz and Countdown to Eternity on Instagram and look for our channel on YouTube and Rumble at James Cadiz. I also want to make mention of jamescadiz.com. Get the very latest content from us at jamescadiz.com. Whether you're a longtime listener or new to the program, we'd like to hear back from you and receive your thoughts, questions, and prayer requests. Email us through the website at countdowntoeternity.com. Countdown the number two, eternity.com. And we'd also appreciate your support as this year draws to a close. It helps us do what we do each week here at Countdown to Eternity. So thank you for standing with us. Just visit countdowntoeternity.com. And let's be looking for opportunities to bless Israel. God will bless you as you do. This program is brought to you by Calvary Chapel Signal Hill. We'll see you next time when the Countdown to Eternity continues.